Please excuse the interruption while I share some important information about the Sunday Morning Coffee podcast. If you would like to support the show, and believe me, I appreciate you supporting the show just by watching, there are a couple of ways that you can help out. You can visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash smcpod. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash smcpod, where for just four U.S. dollars a month, you can receive early access to episodes and subscriber-only content. If you prefer to make a one-time donation instead of a monthly donation, you can head over to buymeacoffee.com slash smcpod. I'm not going to spell that one out, but it's spelled exactly as it sounds. Buymeacoffee.com slash smcpod, where you can make a one-time donation in any amount. Your support does not go unnoticed. Thank you for watching. Thank you for your support, and I hope you enjoy the rest of today's episode. Very happy to welcome Derek Newborn to the show today. Derek, appreciate your time. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. So the way I usually start this off is I just ask for a little bit of your background uh, about yourself and how you sort of ended up on the path that led you to where you are today. Okay. Well, I'm ready. The floor is yours. Okay. So yeah, you could just uh, freelance sure. it and let us know uh, how you ended up at the, on the path that you're you're taking now. Sure. So where I, where I'm at now is helping other men overcome uh, the downfalls of modern society and helping helping them break the chains of self sabotage. And the way I got here is from years ago, um, not dealing with unhealed trauma from early childhood into early adulthood um, and kind of being too tough to say that I had had some issues. And what that led me to was down a path of self-destruction to um, severe mental health decline all the way down to suicide attempts, um, all the way down to rock bottom mental hospital, all that, all because of I had a great life going, successful fitness model, successful relationship. On the outside, everything was great. And on the inside, I was just massively depressed and had huge abandonment issues. Um, and because I wasn't able to comfortably address them or even have a space where I could talk about it, um, I just kept on a downward spiral and almost, you know, took it, took it too far. So now I'm on this um, mission, I believe, you know, the, the reason I went through all that stuff is to use my story to help other, other men avoid, avoid the same downfalls. Men that, you know, at face value probably look like they have everything going on and everything and together, but on the back end, they're doing some self-harm and probably doing a lot of things that they're, they're not proud of. So I'm, I've built a platform where they can come and just get the help without worrying about the critique or judgment of the actual decisions. And when, as a as a younger person, when did you realize, um, when did it sort of strike you that something wasn't right in your, your situation, in your life? And how long did it, was there a period where you sort of just pushed that aside and just kind of, you know, got on with things as most young people would? So at what point did you realize that, that something wasn't quite as it should be? Um... I think I find I think deep down 
I I knew something was off because it it started the first signs of band was at the age of seven with my father going to prison all the way through the fine I like the the straw that broke the camel's back was was my divorce which happened in my early 20s and so I think all those years of that constantly happening happening when my divorce happened subconsciously I said enough is enough I'm going to look out for number one nobody's going to abandon me again so I think subconsciously is when I kind of took on that full belief of truly feeling like I was going to be abandoned no matter what so I have to look out for number one but prior to that after every experience I always felt alone and out of place it just seemed like life was always showing me reasons why i don't belong in the normal crowd maybe because my parents situation or because i had a had my son when i was 16 or whatever it may be so there was always just the empty undeserving feeling inside so I, i don't think i understood that it was from constantly being in in my eyes abandoned if that right. makes sense. Yeah. And so you mentioned you had a son at 16 years old. Now, obviously, that's uh, quite quite something to take on for a 16-year-old kid. Yeah. Um, was there, when your son was born and when you, your son was growing up, mm-hmm. did you use that? Uh, did, did you say to yourself, I am not going to abandon him like i was abandoned did you make an extra concerted effort to be involved and to be the opposite of what you grew up with yeah so i i was immediately committed to being involved um but i was i was also committed to trying to create a life for him which i think in turn um made me less available to him because i was 16 i had a child so i had to do um something you know what i mean so i was definitely committed but i don't think i fully understood how fatherhood worked at that time so i, I would i would even uh, bear to say that i probably i'm sure there's moments in his adolescent years where he kind of felt abandoned by me because i was doing what i thought was needed to provide for him and us so in a, I probably passed it on a little bit, um, but my commitment level was was there a hundred a hundred percent. Well, as a sixteen year old, you don't you haven't grown up yourself yet. You yeah. don't know what's right for yourself yet. <laughs> yeah, let alone someone else. Yeah. and you're you're still dealing with your own stuff, and now you've got this new life to. Like I, I had my son at 34 and I didn't fully understand what fatherhood was. So, yeah. yeah, So that, you know, you're really putting yourself, you know, behind an eight ball there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think I was so young, I probably didn't understand the gravity of my situation of what I was, what what I was up against, to be honest. So, So what does that look like? You said you focused yourself on doing what you had to do to provide, what does that look like at 16 years old? Does that look like getting a job? Does that look like starting a business? Does that look, what does that yeah. look like? And how did that um, obviously impact your education? Cause you're still in high school at that point, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, it was a matter of um, working the midnight shift at the grocery store and and going to to school during the day because um, this was early late nineties, early two thousand. So um, my parents were very much. I had to go to school. They were, you know, um, so I had to do the school. And then it was just a matter of going to the grocery store and working from four to midnight or four to two a.m. and then go home and get ready for for school the for school the next day. Um, and then on to working the construction life for for a little bit. Um, and eventually, just just grinding it out and um, that fear of abandonment. And I, I guess in a way helped me because I knew that I couldn't really count on somebody. So I knew it was up, up, up to me. So I did gain the insight that as long as things are up to me, I'm in control of them. So right. nobody can take, you know, away my life livelihood if I'm, if it falls on me. Now was the mother of your son, uh, the woman that you married and then divorced or is that someone? Um, no. So the, Mother and my child, we dated for three months in high school, like a very casual high school relationship. And then um, we had actually broken up for, well, almost a month before I found out she was pregnant. And then we did the DNA test and all, and all that stuff. So, no, that's not the not, not the same woman. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm trying to get the story. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, so, you you know, you mentioned your, your issues with, uh, abandonment, your father going to prison. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, we all, we know that when we have things that happen like that in our lives, we can go one of two ways. We can follow that same path yeah. or we can go the exact opposite and try to do everything we can to not be that. Was yeah. that something that you were conscious of when it came to your father? Like, I am not going to be the guy that goes to prison and abandons my kid. Was, was that something that you, uh, worked hard to to instill in yourself or was that kind of already um, there i mean i was under i was dead set on you know i was i was because uh, he'd also been married three times my mom been married twice so like i was the person who was like i'm going to be like this rock solid person and then when i get married i'm not going to be like everybody else and get a divorce and that's and then low enough we ended up getting a divorce. So at that point it was just like, all bets are off. I don't give a sh about. You can say anything you want. You don't have to censor. <laughs> like, I, don't give, I don't give a shit. Fuck everybody. I'm looking out for myself. I'm sick and tired of being abandoned by the people that I, that I love the most. And so at that point it just became take, 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 take. Stay, and stay one step ahead of everybody. And was your, uh, your drive to, um, provide and, you know, going to work, going to school. You know, obviously you were probably, were you out of school by the time you got married? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, was, okay. I was already out of school. Yeah. So did that drive uh, that you had to um, not be like what you grew up with, did mm -hmm. that, what kind of impact did that have on your marriage or was it more just, you know, cause you, you're still damn young. Obviously if you got divorced in your early twenties, was it just, yeah. was it a case of two people too young to be married or did you have an effect on that with your, your determination? Um, I think it, I think it was a combination of ev everything. Um, and I think since my son was born, it was just constant survival 
mode of, like I said, relying on myself. So I'm sure I didn't allow, you know, probably my ex-wife to be the support system that she could have been or, or whatever it may be. You know, I was just treading water for, for so, for so long. I mean, mm-hmm. so the drive has always been there. And I think it pushed me even further. Um, once I opened up my fitness business and that became super successful again, that was super successful, but my fatherly role was probably at its lowest point because I was so dead set on building this business and, and everything that came with it, that me as a father was, that was probably my lowest point was when I was most successful as a business. I want to I want to kind of loop back to this, but what you just said kind of triggered another question in me. That drive to build a successful business. Do you think that a lot of men these days, young men, um, do you think there is an obsession with reaching that kind of success that really is detrimental to pretty much every other uh, facet of their lives, whether it be family or relationships? Because you know, social media is going to make you, you see guys in, with pictures in front of Lambos and yeah. uh, girls in bikinis and on yachts. And, yeah. you know, everyone wants to chase that dream, right? Like I'm too old to chase that dream now, but uh, back in the day, it might have. Um, do you think that's a, a common thread within men that they're just chasing that? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And that's like one, that's one of the, you know, one of the biggest downfalls of modern society is, you know, as men, we really have access to anything we want at the flick of a switch or click a button, whether it be attention from females, whether it be, you know, whatever we have with technology and all that. So we also get exposed to what we perceive as all these other men that are successful in some way, shape or form, whether it's the business, whether it's car, whether it's the hot wife, whatever it may be. So, the more we're exposed to it, the more we feel subconsciously less and less about ourselves. Mm -hmm. Right. And if we're feeling less about ourselves, it's going to trickle down into our families and how we show up as, as fathers and and husbands and all that. Right. So it's super, uh, it's super dangerous if you, if you're not grounded. Right. And, and you can't have men, well, not just men, women face the same thing with, yeah. you know, the the quote unquote Instagram models and, yeah. you know, I'll make them feel bad about themselves. And guys yeah. are seeing these super uber successful people who it may be honestly bullshit in half or more of the cases, but that's yeah. the image they see day after day after day. Yeah. And it can't help but you know, seep into your brain that like, what the hell am I doing with my life? Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy because it's, unless you actually go to that side and come back, you realize like none of that shit pans out in the long run. It doesn't have any, any value to your life, you know, in the, in the long run, like the people I look up to and the, and the men that I surround myself and the men that you know i hired to mentor me are all men that are first rooted in having a successful family men that are successful in all areas right not i'm not interested in their cars or anything i i I need help being a a man you know not Mm -hmm. not social media 
bullshit. Right. Yeah, that's for sure. So um, when was it I, I looked at your website, uh, you know, today, just to sort of brush up a little bit. And you mentioned that you became a liar and a narcissist and, you know, this and that. Yeah. At what point did that uh, was that after the divorce where you just said, fuck it? Yeah. Was it, was it then just look out for number one, make sure no one can hurt me, take yeah. what I want? Was that pretty much that, how that? Yeah. So, out? yeah. So, cause what, what had transpired once my, um, father had left, it put my mom in a tough situation of being a, a single mom. Right. So for years, as she was trying to find her way in date men, like we would literally come home and the man had taken every single item from our house like not even a microwave right we, there's many times we just sat on the floor on mm -hmm. new year's eve and shit like that and with my divorce me and my son came home and everything was gone and like i said and that was after all that that's when yeah it, you're exactly right i literally said fuck everybody like i don't care anymore subconsciously i don't think i i don't think i kind of said out loud so what happened was i adopted that mindset and just went full in on my fitness business, which, which um, blew up, and then I became a full-time fitness model. So now I have all these insecurities and abandonment issues, but now I'm getting all this attention, mm. right? So it's literally just adding fuel to the fire, right? So now I'm getting this attention, and I already said, fuck everybody, I'm just going to get what I can. Now while I'm doing that, I also have a very loving um, girlfriend that I live with for seven years. But since I'm so scared of being abandoned, I assume she's going to ban me. So I'm going to stay one step ahead and I'll make sure I have women lined up at all times for when she does leave. I don't get hurt. Right. So that kind of behavior can only last for so long before that relationship self, self destructs. Right. Mm -hmm, right. But in my mind, she abandoned me. Right. So my greatest fear is what I continued to create because I was because I never healed my trauma and never took took ownership of of how I felt. So yeah. So and then you know um, after um, she left and I was at rock bottom and confused. I had to make a decision. Either I could definitely just keep going on being a fitness model, getting attention, being narcissistic, and all that. But I knew because of the way I felt inside, so empty and hollow, and none of none of this stuff made me feel better. The more I cheated, didn't make me feel better; it made me feel worse. So I realized that the common denominator in all this was me. So it's not blaming social media; it's not blaming my girlfriend; it's not even blaming my father or my upbringing. I'm responsible for all for all this. And at first that had, that was major for me. I was like, how can I, how could I create all this damage? And that's what led to the darkness and the, and the suicide attempts. Um, but once I got to the other side of that, if I, if I'm solely responsible for that part of my life, that means from here on out, I'm also solely responsible. So technically I can create whatever life I want from this. And that led to extreme ownership of everything. So yes, I had these issues. Yes, I did all this um, terrible behavior. Yes, I hurt all these people. 
but now that I have ownership of it, that also means I have ownership of my life and my choices from here on out. <clears throat> and that's kind of what got me going in the right direction is extreme ownership. Right. And so obviously you mentioned the suicide attempts. That's obviously rock bottom. Um, was there a, a moment, uh, a person, an event that really triggered it? Or was it kind of just a gradual realization that you have to take responsibility for where you're at? Um, I mean, really, it just just the realization that I was the common denominator of everything kind of let me know, like how like I had purpose, like I was here for a reason. And clearly, I, I know that I was not here for that reason. Um, and that that was kind of the opening moment. So, okay, I'm here for a reason. But then the biggest part, to be honest, was just forgiving myself for everything I'd done. And that so the guilt and the shame of me doing that was the hardest part for me to get over, even once I did know that I had... Um, the ability to make a new life, to get past that. So you make that realization that you're the common denominator and you're responsible for digging yourself out of this. What is your first step in doing that? Is that is that the step where you sit down and have an honest conversation with yourself? And what? So what? What was your first step in in moving yeah. forward from there? Yeah, the first step was just. Um, just accepting that I was a narcissist. That was the, f the first step. And then the second step was um, apologizing to the people that I hurt, hurt the most, but also had to realize that apology doesn't mean that they're welcoming back into their life, right? So that was a big step to apologize and be able to explain to them that, you know, yes, I did these things and it's, I loved you, but my fear of abandonment was greater than the love that I had for you. And that's why I did these things. It doesn't make it right, but at least it, I have understanding of why I did it, right? So they can forgive you and all that stuff, but that doesn't allow you back into their life. So then that's a super lonely place. Cause you're like, all right, like I'm setting a new path, but fuck nobody's around. Right. Mm -hmm. So you have to, you have to be super honest with you, with yourself and accept where you're at. Like you're at rock bottom. There's nobody else at rock bottom. That's why it's rock bottom. <laughs> but if you're truly at rock bottom, like you say you are Derek, then the only way to go from here is up. You can't go any lower. So I just kept I just kept finding those little 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 nuggets of hope to pull me into the next level of um, self-confidence of re of rebuilding myself and letting go of guilt and shame. And you mentioned obviously the fitness business and the fitness model thing. Mm -hmm. uh, fighting to contain your narcissism and working in those industries is kind of like being an alcoholic working in a brewery. <laughs> yeah, well, Not I Probably not the best place. How did you yeah. navigate that? Well, I walked away. I walked away from modeling completely. 
walked away from modeling completely. Um, and my um, fitness business was, it was a safe space um, for me because there was never any um, shadiness or indecency within my business or with clients or anything of that that nature. And, and most of my um, clients had no idea what I was struggling with on on that level but what did um and 90 percent of my business is through social media because it's an online business um but what happened is i had a huge hatred for social media and just despised it for quite for quite some time because i i I would try to blame it you know social media did did all this which is which is not true um so again i had to like reintroduce myself and re reshift my perspective of social media, right? Cause it can be, we can use it for good, right? Cause we can control what we consume or we can use it for bad. So it's my responsibility again, take ownership of how I decide to use social media, but the modeling, I just walked away from it was mm. like, you know, like PTSD having to <laughs> deal, deal with that. And from there, um, so is the fitness business still something you're in, you have and you're involved in? Yeah. Yeah. Very much so, so at what point did you um, and how did you come to the decision that you wanted to help other men uh, that are going through the same or similar things that you do? Where did that come from? That came from, I see it a lot, especially I saw it um, when I was in the modeling business um, and I've been exposed to it through my life without even realizing it, that there's always these guys that might be financially well off, but are just struggling on the inside. And they, because of, you know, trauma they experienced, they don't know how to respond to it. So they constantly act out, whether it be, messing up their marriage or, you know, like drug use or alcohol or whatever. And when they do those things, they have some shame and guilt attached to it. Right. And there's even more guilt and shame because they know they can't talk to their wife. They can't talk to their parents. Right. Cause I know, right. When I was at the height of my modeling career and everything was so successful and uh, my girlfriend and all that, if I was going to go to anybody around me, be like, Hey, I'm struggling. They'd be like, what the fuck you got to struggle for? You got mm-hmm. A, B and C. And that would have just made it 10 times, 10 times worse. Mm-hmm. So by focusing on men, they're in a powerful position that they can either lead their family and their bloodline into greatness. If they, if they're proactive now, or they can, be another statistic of divorce and downfall just because they don't have an avenue to speak up. And I feel like there's a lot of, there's a lot more support with women that are are dealing with the trauma of those men. Right. And there is actual places for those men that are creating the hurt that just need some space and some direction. And like you said, there's always that reluctance of men or to either reluctance or not knowing how to reach out mm-hmm. for help. And so just knowing that there's, you know, a group of people that, hey, this, you know, I'm not alone in this. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's Someplace pretty big. That doesn't, 
not in, I'm not interested in um, telling them whether what they did is right or wrong. I'm interested in helping them understand why they do the things they do. Right. Cause there's no, they already know because they feel guilt and shame that what they're doing is not what they're supposed to be doing. But if we can get past that and see the reason for those things, be like, Oh shit, I got abandonment issues. No wonder I do a, B and C. Then it gets a little lighter because then there's, there's a purpose behind it. But when you spend years doing all this stuff and you have no idea why you feel like something's wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So I actually talked about this on uh, yesterday's or well, it'll be a week ago when this is released, but uh, episode and I was talking to uh, a lady who is a relationship coach and we got onto the subject of how difficult things currently are for men, especially young men. Mm-hmm. And we talked about how uh, women are, are, are basically trained now to think that they don't need a man. And, you know, young men are being convinced that men don't need women. And it's just obviously Great. not going to a very good place. <laughs> so yeah. what do you see as the root causes behind that messaging because it seems very intentional and I just don't know where that message came from. Yeah. I mean, it comes from, right. Men don't need women. Women don't need men. So it comes from, it comes from hurt. Like when you see people and I see it all the time, like on social media, women post, you know, men ain't shit, never getting married, whatever, right? Or people say, like, love sucks, right? Mm-hmm. Don't, want, don't want any part of it. The reality is love doesn't suck. It's the absence of love that sucks, right? So marriage doesn't suck. Now, a shitty marriage sucks, right? And what happens is the the biggest thing that people miss is the ownership part. So if you... We're in a shitty marriage and now you think you don't need a man. Whatever relationship you were in happened because of you and him, not just him. And that's a tough pill to swallow because, you know, when a woman gets hurt after years and years, like if you use myself for an example, all the cheating I continued to do, right? My girlfriend was a person who, constantly wanted to make it work and would find ways to not make excuses like, Hey, we'll get through it. All that did was fuel me and let me know that what I'm doing is okay, that I can just keep doing it. Mm -hmm. Right. So in order for me to take it to the level I did, she had to contribute. Right. Because if she would have said, get the fuck out after the first time. Right. I could have, I would have probably did things differently. So same thing. So wherever they're coming from just tells me they haven't taken ownership of their part, right? Cause if you take ownership, you're not going to say, I don't need a man. You're going to be on the hunt, not on the hunt, but you're going to be operating from a place where you know exactly who you are. You know what you bring to the table. You know what you've been through. You know what you don't want. So I guarantee you don't just not want a man for the rest of your life. You just don't want a certain type of man. Right. And I think that's where 
it gets muddy because people are crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> and the message that, that young men, let's say teenagers, sometimes younger, they get all their information from a completely different place than I did when I was that age. <laughs> and they are bombarded with so many, you know, oh, you should be like an Andrew Tate. Oh, no, you should be like this. You should yeah. like they're just being bombarded by so many different messages that. Yeah. How do you navigate that when you're a young man at this point in time? I don't know how they do it. I'm thinking about my son. My son's so my son's 23 now, and he has a he has a girlfriend. And like, what I've noticed also, but what 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 I do is I'm very mindful of the life that I model that I display because like I'm I'm single and I do a lot of things alone and travel and stuff and sometimes him and his girlfriend come around. So like I'm very conscious of just modeling like the qualities and the values right that I have and how I speak about others and how I speak about relationships and marriage and and stuff like that and try to lead by example because I think the more you try to tell somebody the more they go searching somewhere else where if they're firsthand exposed to it, they can kind of be like, Oh, you know, I kind of like where that's going or I don't like where that's going. But the moment they try, you try to like tell them or whatever it may be is when they kind of go the opposite direction. But mm -hmm. what, like you said, there's all kinds of directions and I don't know them all. And I'm glad I don't know them all. I don't <laughs> know how, I don't know how, you would navigate other than people you see firsthand. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. It's a, it's a crazy time for, you know, young, young people in general, but you know, yeah. young boys, especially. And, and a lot of it I think is that because of the proclivity for divorce these days, how easily people make that decision, there's a lot of young men going into that situation without a father figure yeah. or one around as much as he should be. So yeah. I, I think, I don't know if you agree with that, but I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, looking, looking back, it was, it would have been impossible for me to see marriage and partners as like a, a serious thing because that that's just not what I was exposed to. So like I, I never had deep down that strong emotional connection of like, like what an actual life partner was according to me. That's just somebody that's around for a while. And then for some reason they leave. All right. So I'm very, that's why I've meant like, I'm very conscious of trying to display to my best ability of, the purpose and quality of being the best version of yourself. And then on your own time, like I'm 40, I'm not in a relationship, but I will be at some point, but it's not something that you just hop into because everybody around you does. And that's yeah. super common. Um, people just get married, especially if you have a kid, then you just get married to the person, even though you guys are fucking miserable, yeah. like crazy. And again, the um, as I mentioned, the 
ease with pe people make the decision now to to divorce yeah that's you know it's it's got to be hard again because i think women initiate more divorces so you get more men that are involved in more divorces and split families and it just doesn't you know you can't build a basis of a good solid <laughs> generation without those yeah i mean i don't i don't really know a family that doesn't have divorce somewhere in the tree whether it be their aunt and uncle or cousin or something of that nature i'm not sure like a true family tree still exists that i can think of mm. without without some kind of divorce now that you now that you mention it yeah it's crazy and again instability everywhere and you know young men need that stability to to be able to make the right decisions down the road yeah yeah so you start coaching now you you're building that business obviously that's uh now you've got two businesses going that you're trying to juggle yeah um what would you say is the most common i don't want to say type of man but when guys come to your you know to your business for help mm -hmm. is there a common refrain that you hear again and again or is it totally random um i mean it's usually um a high higher level tier career person like a doctor or a lawyer or something something of that nature that again has the great family photo on facebook with the kids has all that housewife all that stuff and they're just not aligning with with what with what they should be doing and the the worst part about it is by time they come to me they're on the verge of massive destruction mm -hmm. you know they don't come to me at the first little inkling of something being wrong because they're in that system they're like i'll figure it out i can do this whatever whatever it may be right. um, but by the time they get to me usually something massive has already happened and they're on the verge of of losing it all so um like in a way i think i'm the last straw because it's hard to reach out to another man like a stranger you don't know right so by the time they get to me they, some pretty serious things have already already happened and then um the biggest step is for them to take ownership but also realize that ownership doesn't guarantee um everybody staying around right mm -hmm. just because you take ownership doesn't mean that your wife won't leave you and doesn't mean you won't go through a messy divorce or have to deal with a b or c and then that's kind of a gut check for them but that's why we have specific processes that we go through that keep them keep them focused on um them becoming the man that they are supposed to be and then from that position, then you can start creating and moving moving parts around. But it's not it's not damage control. It's extreme ownership. Mm -hmm. And now, obviously, we know that even though you have obviously worked on yourself and you've made great strides in in yeah. overcoming those things, 
now you're surrounded by and hearing from a whole lot of men that are going through the same thing. Does it make it, does it strike, does it make you waver to hear all of this or does it kind of strengthen your resolve? Um, no, it's, it strengthens me. I mean, there's times where, cause I always, um, tell them, you know, I, if, if you need me to, I will share my personal experience to give you insight on how I overcame certain things. And there's times where I still get emotional about it, but it's really emotional about because I fucking lived it. And now I'm in this position. I would never be in this position if I didn't go through all those things. And I wouldn't be having this conversation with this man that I've never physically met. So I, it just it just reassures me that you know I went through it for a reason. Mm-hmm. If I if I didn't use it, then it would be in vain. So it it just it just makes it more solidified and allows me to go on platforms like this and talk about it and just keep spreading the word and awareness. And you mentioned your son's in his early 20s now, you said? Yeah, he's 23. 23, and so obviously, you know, progressing in his adulthood. Yeah. As as a father who, back in, you know, when the baby was born, made such an intense effort Mm -hmm. to be the man that you thought he deserved. Yeah. You look at him now 23 years later. What do you think about how you made out with that? Uh, I'm... I'm so proud of him. Like he's, I used to think he was just putting on a front because like he doesn't doesn't drink. He's very laid back and and low key and like I think I did. I know I did the best to my ability, but I'm really I'm really proud of me being able to break the generational bloodline of disengagement from. Um, our father because I was doing it subconsciously I thought building my business was what made me a successful father and I'm and I wasn't spending time and now time is a priority and with that time allows me the freedom to also build my business so I'm just really proud of the fact that essentially that generational curse has been able to stop with me, even though it almost killed me, that it stops with me so that he doesn't pass it on unknowingly. Because, you know, my whatever my father, he had his own stuff. So whatever, you know, so he got it passed on from somebody else. So for me to be able to stop it is really, is really powerful for me. Mm -hmm. So before we uh, wrap up, um, if you were to talk to men out there who are at the point where you felt you were at rock bottom Mm -hmm. and they don't know where to turn, they don't know who they can talk to, who they can trust. What, what would you say to, to those guys having been where you have been well first i would say reach out to me shoot me a message that's what i'd say first um but i would also tell them 
to not give up on themselves. So it doesn't matter what you just did or what you've been doing. The moment you take ownership is the moment you can turn your turn your life around. So do not do not just give up and say this is how this is how it is. But more importantly, message me. I get messages all the time. Send me a message and we can have a conversation. You don't even have to work with me, but I can give you direction to other people that I've personally worked with as well. But don't don't you're you're one decision away from a completely different life. So here's a chance to point uh, the audience in the direction of where to go, uh, website, social media, yeah. anything you'd like to share. And I will put it in the description of the uh, podcast as well. Yeah, absolutely. So on Instagram, just shoot me a direct message. My Instagram is at dnewborn. On Facebook, you can shoot me a message, which is just Derek Newborn. Those are both, um, I keep it super organic on there. Like I said, I get messages all the time. Just feel free to shoot me a message. Um, if you want some some resources or some helpful uh, mental health blog posts, you can go to the newbornblueprint.com. There's some great um, insight on there to get you get you starting to think a little different. Um, but yeah, the best way is just send me a message on social media, either at D Newborn Instagram or Facebook at at Derek Newborn, and we'll, we'll get you going. All right. Well, Derek Newborn, thank you very much. I appreciate you sharing your story and congratulations on all the progress that uh, you've made and how well your son's doing. I've appreciated your time tonight and uh, wish you all the best in the future. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. I, I enjoyed it. Thank you. Bye.